This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Buenos dias y bienvenidos. Good morning. Welcome once again to Tiempo. I'm Joe Torres. On today's show, how about this? History in the city of New Rochelle. Voters there just elected New Rock's first Latina mayor. More than half of the residents in the Westchester City are black or Latino. We'll introduce you to la alcaldesa Yadira Ramos Herbert. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Right now, though, we're going to focus on food insecurity here in New York City. Food banks nationwide, really, are struggling to meet the growing need for food assistance. Economic challenges forced food banks to cut back on services as inflation climbed, caused prices to climb for many of the food items. And then here in our area, food centers that already see high demand now face an additional concern, the growing number of migrants in need. Joining us this morning, Leslie Gordon. She is the president and CEO of the Food Bank for New York City, the largest hunger relief organization in the five boroughs. The Food Bank also, by the way, celebrates a major milestone in 2023. Congrats, 40 years. Thank you very That's much. Fat. That means a little something to us here because, like you, 40 years for us in 2023. So What a great legacy, yes. right? Isn't, yeah. isn't it fabulous? Did you guys celebrate in any special way? We did. We did. Good. There's a lot of good work and a lot of impact we've had on the city across mm -hmm. 40 years. Yep. So we're very proud of it. Well, that. congratulations on the milestone. That is yep. fantastic. Leslie, I, uh, we have you here because uh, these are some tough times for you guys. Uh, I know that the people you serve and the organization, you get your funding largely, some of it, right from Albany. And each year you've, you've got to plead with lawmakers up there yeah. uh, and the current budget proposal includes less financing for the food bank. Uh, what what changes does that force you to make? Yeah, um, Joe, so in this, uh, the draft budget yes. from the governor, there's a pretty substantial cut mm. somewhere in the order of more than $20 million of support for really critical anti-hunger programs in the governor's budget. Mm -hmm. And how that trickles down to New York City is that it comes through us and it helps programs that are part of our network okay. serve our New York City neighbors, making sure that they have all the good nutritious food they need. But Leslie, do you guys go through this, if you will, song and dance every year where the budget comes out, it's a draft proposal, you increase your lobbying in Albany to say, Here's money that we need and why. There is a little bit of a, a magical dance that happens okay. on an annual basis. This year in particular, though, the cuts are, are grave and mm -hmm. deeper than they've been in a really long time. And that hits us at a time and place where we're seeing demand, mm -hmm. the highest I've ever seen. I've been in this business for about 20 years. Okay. And it's honestly the highest it's ever been that I've seen. And to what do you attribute that? You know, it's a combination of things. Here in New York City, we've seen an increase in asylum seekers. Of course. Right, since spring of 22, there's more than 160,000 mm. asylum seekers. Yes. Venezuela, 
Nicaragua, Ecuador, Haiti, mm -hmm. Ecuador, and the like, um, folks who are fleeing, you know, some crisis-laden situations, yes. making their way to our great city that we've opened our doors to so many people over time. So that's part of it. Mm -hmm. And then the rest is inflation, unemployment, underemployment. You know, wages are just not keeping pace with the cost of living. Mm -hmm. Can you bring all of those stats and information to Albany and sort of hold it under the nose of lawmakers and say, you've got these drastic cuts at a time when our need is greatest and the sustainability, I don't know if that ever comes into question, but perhaps you have to put it in those stark terms. We can and we'll continue to talk to, right. to lawmakers as we always do. What's really helpful is that we have New York City and metro area residents mm -hmm talking to lawmakers, letting them know that they also believe that this support is critically important. Mm -hmm. It could be your neighbor, it could be a colleague at work, it might even be you. Yeah. And so you can visit us at foodbanknyc.org backslash advocate to yeah. learn more about how you can talk to your lawmakers. Is there a, a link there that you can click on to, to, to add a name to in terms of a petition or something? There's a letter that you can yes. sign on to uh, and some phone numbers where you can call your lawmakers mm -hmm. and, and talk to them about how you feel about it. Does it force you, Leslie, and your staff there uh, to to perhaps get a little bit more creative in terms of funding or reach out to sources or to people that perhaps you haven't reached out before? We've got an amazingly creative and talented <laughs> okay. team and uh, we're talking to folks across you know all the typical channels, corporations, yeah. foundations, private donors and, and government. Mm -hmm. uh, our support comes from a mix, but this is really important and it's not just about New York City. This budget has an impact statewide mm -hmm. when it comes to those cuts. Okay. Yeah. If I looked correctly, I say uh, that you guys also monitor member organizations. I mean, are these are these organizations that you work with or alongside or under your umbrella that you sort of monitor how things are going for them and and you give them, I guess, some guidance, some navigation, if you will, uh, in terms of how to get through these tough times. Yeah, so we're at the heart of a network of nearly 800 on the ground partners, nearly every street nearly every neighborhood across the city, and they partner with us to get food directly into the hands of people who need it. Right. And so we're constantly partnering with them to coach on how do you manage your inventory, mm -hmm. how do you handle the increase in demand. Right. Yeah. Provide expertise where you can. All right, we'll talk a little bit more about the migrant crisis because for Tiempo, so many of them are from these countries in Central and South America uh, and, and how you're helping them out in, during a time of great need. So stay with us, Leslie, when we come back more with the Food Bank of New York City and the rising food insecurity in our area. Still ahead on Tiempo, history in the city of New Rochelle. Voters there just elected the first Latina mayor and we'll introduce you to La Alcaldesa, Yadira Ramos Herbert, straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
Welcome back to Tiempo. And this morning, our focus is on food insecurity in New York City and beyond, really. And with no indication of a slowdown to the migrant crisis, that food insecurity is a reality for a growing number of Latinos. Food banks nationwide are grappling to meet the need for food assistance after pre-pandemic benefits dried up. They ended last year. Economic challenges forced food banks to cut back on services. The food centers are more in demand because of the growing migrant crisis. Many centers rely on state funds as well to operate and that money's in jeopardy of being cut from the current state budget. Leslie Gordon is the president and CEO of the Food Bank for New York City. These are tough times. I'm, I'm, I don't want to belabor on this on solely the financing, but I do need to ask you if if you're not getting the money coming in that you used to get or are accustomed to receiving, are you at the point where cutting either services or people suddenly becomes something you need to consider? Yeah, I mean, we're super creative and talented at Food Bank. Because you have to be, yes. Right, so we know how to stretch the resources that we do have, mm -hmm. but there may come a point in time where we have to cut the food resources that we distribute as a result. Yes, Yeah. that, that becomes a reality. I find this curious because so many of the people that you're helping out right now are asylum seekers, are migrants coming from Central and South America. Out of curiosity, the food that you provide, do you guys make an effort to, to make it culturally relevant, to, to make it uh, ethnically diverse, if you will? Yeah, I mean, food is such an important part of people's lives, and we know that deeply at Food Bank for New York City. So, you know, food is culture, it's history, mm -hmm. it's you know, stories from your grandmother sure or your grandfather. And so, you know, a lot of what, as an example, we distribute is good fresh produce. So it could be yuca, it might be yautia, batata, oh. rice, dried beans. Okay. We want to make sure that all of that is available in our inventory. I would sense that if you provide that to some Latinos, that the sense of appreciation and gratitude is almost emotionally tear-jerking. That they're getting food that, they're, that they perhaps weren't accustomed to getting here, but they used to get it back home, and now suddenly you're well, it providing. It feels like home all over yes, again, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, you want to feel the love. Mm -hmm. You want to. It wants to feel familiar, and it's it's not necessarily dignified if you're giving them something that they just won't eat or yeah. that is unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly doesn't work for everyone. No, no, it sure doesn't. What about beans? I mean, oh my goodness, each country lots in Central South America has their own bean. Lots of different kinds of beans, correct? Yes, lots of different kinds of beans and so much you can do with them. I learned recently about a fun Dominican re recipe. Yes. Sweet beans. Yeah. <laughs> it's an education for you guys as yeah, much as it is. it is for the people that you're giving food to. It is. You know, the asylum seekers, if I remember correctly, they don't always qualify for, is it federal benefits? Um, and, and does that have an impact on you? It does. So if you don't have citizenship or a green card, you can't qualify for federal benefits like SNAP, formerly called food stamps. Okay. And that's a, a big source of opportunity for people to go to the grocery store and pick and choose what makes sense for themselves. Again, mm -hmm. a much more dignified way of accessing food. As a result, we find people coming to us. So all the asylum seekers are now coming to Food Bank for New York City and our oh, okay. partner agencies on the ground. Yes. Yeah. So that's the ripple effect of that, it correct? Is, for sure. People who would normally go to SNAP or rely on food stamps suddenly can't or can, can from the get-go, and you become the outlet for, for food, correct? They're on the line. So the some 70,000 asylum seekers who are still with us in the city today, yes. they're finding their way to our partner agencies on the ground for food. Are you working closely with the city administration here in the five boroughs in terms of... You know, meeting those food insecurity needs? We've got a wonderful partnership, but truth be told, the demand is a lot higher than the resources that are available. Mm -hmm. right? And it's not just food.
food, it's hygiene products. Okay. Right, there are moms who come from Venezuela, Nicaragua, Ecuador who are standing online and it may be that they don't have diapers, but they've been using a towel for two days, and that's really uncomfortable for the kids and okay. the caregivers. Final 30 seconds, Leslie, and let's make this the sales pitch. If people are watching at home and they want to help out in some way, shape, or form, either financially or through contributions, what can they do? Visit us at foodbanknyc.org for more information about how to donate, advocate, volunteer, or if you need help or know someone who needs help, mm -hmm. You can find more information about where to get food on that same website. And sign the letter. How about yes, that? Yes, please. That would be great, too. Leslie Gordon, thank you so much for educating us and continued success on a, hopefully another 40 years for sure, the Food happy Bank happy to be here with you this thank morning. Thank you so much. Coming up next on Tiempo History in New Rochelle, voters there just elected the city's first Latina mayor. We'll introduce you to Yadira Ramos Herbert next. Some history to tell you about in New Rochelle. Voters in the Westchester City just elected the first Latina mayor. Yadira Ramos Herbert was just sworn in at the first of the year, January 1. Her top priorities include housing affordability, addressing climate change, improving communication. More than half of the residents of New Rochelle are black or Latino. What a pleasure to have on Tiempo, el alcalde de New Rochelle, Mayor Yadira Ramos Herbert, here with us this morning. Bienvenidos. Bien, gracias, ¿cómo estás? Oh, todo bien, Mayor. So good to have you with us. Congratulations on your victory. You're a month into the job, a little more than that now. Any surprises so far? No, no, no big surprises, um, but having a good time learning the ropes. Oh, this is fantastic. Uh, I, I, again, I, I congratulate you, and uh, we'll talk about your vision and your plan for the city, but what I think the viewers here on Tiempo would, would like to get to know you perhaps a little bit. So share with us, if you would, a little bit on your, your ethnic heritage first. Sure thing. My mother's from the Dominican Republic, El Capital, came here in 1968. My dad is a New Yorican, but my grandparents were from Puerto Rico, coming from Cataño. They came in that post-World War II Puerto Rican migration up to New York. So Dominican and Puerto Rican. So you can salsa and merengue, correct? <laughs> a little better merengue, but yes. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, understood. Your political background, Mayor, is this your first dive into politics or uh, what have you done before this? Sure. Um, I was uh, on the library board, which is an elected position here in New Rochelle for a couple of years, and I did finish one term as a council member. Um, and this is my 30th day as mayor of New Rochelle. Okay. And again, Mayor, the population breakdown in the city of New Rochelle, how many residents there? And then what's the percentage that are Latino and, and uh, of color? Sure, we have about 80,000 residents in total. Latinos make up 30% of the city and African-Americans make up about 23% of the city. So a little more than half are either black or Latino. And Mayor, what have you seen and heard so far? I know it's only been a, a month, month and a half now that you're in the role, but from the Latino community and particularly there in New Rock regarding, regarding accessibility and in particular communication, which I know was one of the things you wanted to focus on. I mean, throughout the campaign, what was really nice was connecting with Latinos who could speak to me in Spanish about their concerns and not feel like they had to find the right word in English. I had women cry, just excited at the fact that I had a chance to be mayor. And since winning, it, the, the affection and support has been great. Um, I go to grab food at my local Colombian house and people have asked to take my picture. Again, just happy that they can communicate with me in Spanish. And so I'm really happy to make City Hall that much more accessible for our residents. Mayor, does that put more pressure on you, knowing that you're a groundbreaker, knowing that you're a pioneer, knowing that 
people are crying because you are in the position that you're in. Um, you know what? Your job is big enough to begin with. Now you've got that on top of it as well. How challenging is that to handle and to tackle? I mean, I think when you're the first, you want to make sure you're not the last. Um, so I won't lie, there is a little bit more pressure to make sure that this is just the beginning of more diverse representation at the city's highest elected roles. Um, so it's a little bit of pressure, but I just ground myself and it was me that got myself here, working here, being accessible to the community and just reminding myself to remain um, accessible and approachable um, to all residents in the city to just do the job. Um, and, and again, but with the hopes of me, me not being the last. And, and have you made that mantra and that goal um, part of your speech to, to, your, to your cabinet, if you will, and to your administration and the people who work alongside you? Diversity has always been a mantra of me, even as a council member representing one of the six districts. That's, that would not be a surprise to anyone. We want to make sure that all leadership looks like the city of the residents that, that really pay our, our, our checks and our salaries here and support the government. So that's not new, but it, of course it takes an elevated role given, given my new position. But now in your new position, you're at the, in that position where you make executive decisions about who will be in what role. And I'm guessing that will also be part of your decision-making process as you exercise that duty. Yes, partnering with our city manager and making sure that that's a priority. Well, yes, I have a, a far bigger role now in the mayor role. Absolutely. All right, mayor, sit tight. We're going to talk about your vision, your plans. And now that you're the, the new head there in New Rock, uh, where you'd like to see the city as you, as you begin your first term. So stay with us. Coming up next on Tiempo, more with the new Latina mayor of New Rochelle. She makes history the first Latina mayor in the Westchester County city of New Rochelle. Stay with us. Welcome back to Tiempo. History just made in New Rochelle. The Westchester City just elected the first Latina mayor there. Yadira Ramos Herbert was sworn in at the beginning of the new year, January 1. Her top priorities include a focus on housing affordability, addressing climate change, and improving communication. More than half of the residents of New Rochelle are black or Latino. What a pleasure to have on the show, Mayor Yadira Ramos Herbert, here with us on Tiempo to give us a little bit of insight on her new role. Let's tackle those initiatives one by one, Mayor. Housing affordability, uh, is that an issue right now or is it always an issue and what are you doing to address it? I mean, housing affordability is an issue throughout the state. I'm really proud of New Rochelle. We have um, created a really, um, really revolutionary kind of initi initiative of downtown revitalization where we're building um, approximately 10,000 new units with a mandatory set aside of 10% of, of affordable housing. So I'm really proud of it. But we wanna make sure that we keep those cuts of affordability really low so that the widest majority of people can have access to them, but also provide access to home ownership and make sure that folks who own their homes and our aging can age in place so that we provide assistance for repairs. So when I say housing affordability, it's not just rentals, it's home ownership and being able to remain in your home even after you've retired. So, but I'm guessing those new projects that you just talked about along the waterfront predate you as the mayor. You were probably on the city council at the time. So what is it that you want to expand in that area to make it bigger and better? So we approved 30 projects, but there still are a few that have to hit the ground running. So we okay. want to make sure that we maximize all of the 30 and that as the new projects come online, again, that we assure that we are at the deepest levels of affordability that we can. Home ownership and making sure that we help current homeowners stay in their home is an added element that we want to make sure that we're also tackling. So it's not just home rentals, but it's making sure that we give people access to the American dream or the opportunity to live out the American dream even in retirement. I want to make sure I don't hear what 
what you're not saying, Mayor, home ownership and making sure that people can stay in their homes. Has there been an exodus of homeowners out of New Rochelle? Not an exodus of homeowners, but we can't pretend that costs are high and making repairs are high. And when you're in a fixed income, those are high. So it's just making sure that we're listening to the totality of all of our residents and not just focusing on one demographic. Mm -hmm. Everyone deserves the right to stay in their home or have access to the homeownership American dream. Climate change is rather broad. Be more specific. What would you like to see in that regard? I mean, flooding has impacted New Rochelle the way it has other communities in Lower Westchester. Storms that were maybe once every 50 years or feel like they're coming every year or every two years. So how are we thinking about zoning laws? How are we thinking about building rules? How are we providing access to resources so that homeowners can be proactive in protecting their homes? How are we thinking of infrastructure and the materials we're using in infrastructure to help move water away from homes, but also to make sure we're using the greenest, most sustainable materials possible? So we just want to make sure that people aren't scared when it rains. And that's sort of what people have been feeling over the last three years. Every time there's a big storm, there's a real deep fear that they're going to lose valuable uh, materials or assets of their home. And how can we mitigate that as a government? Communication is another area you want to focus on. You touched on it a little bit. Was communication a problem before you got into the office as mayor there? Or is it just something that you need to refocus on and expand upon? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but again, being bilingual adds an added element and dimension to how we think about communication and making sure that we're getting the word out in a way that more residents have access to. So that's point one. Point two, my predecessor, who is a very dear friend of mine, was mayor for 17 or 18 years um, before I've had the opportunity to serve in that same role. So for many people, I am the mom at pickup, I'm the mom at the coffee shop, I'm the mom at the dance class. So people have developed relationships with me in, in ways that weren't governed but just in trusting relationship as a member of the community. And now that they see me as mayor, it makes City Hall feel that much more accessible to them. We also have new members on the council. So making sure that these new faces also bring more awareness to people that might otherwise not have been engaged. Technology also, how people communicate, social media and email also are things we want to think about in communication. Final question, Mayor. Do you think because of your ethnic heritage and your background that cultural awareness and cultural appreciation, at least from this mayor, perhaps may be even greater than it's ever been before? And people seeing that I, my mother moved here in 1968, as I said before, um, knowing that I'm a daughter of an immigrant and that I speak Spanish and grew up bilingual, I think just makes it different. It's, It's just far more accessible. It doesn't feel like a distant kind of entity. Um, I'm a more relatable to many communities. And so being able to, to authentically present in various communities, maybe in a way that a mayor couldn't before, will just continue to make city government more effective and, and close to the residents that it serves. Felicidades, Mayor. Yadira Ramos Herbert, congratulations on being the first Latina mayor in the great city of New Rochelle. Thanks for spending time with us here on Tiempo. Thank you very much. Finalmente, Tiempo is now a podcast. You can listen to this show and all future episodes on the go. Search Tiempo with Joe Torres wherever you get podcasts or simply scan the QR code that you see there on the screen. Muchísimas gracias. We appreciate so much that you spend part of your Sunday with us. Many of you stop me on the street to say, Joe, cada domingo, we're there with you. And that, that means a great deal. We'll see you next week for another edition of Tiempo. Tiempo.